expanding the Nerdosphere, talking on everything you want to hear. From comics to cosplay, from the cinematic universe to fan films and everything in between. It's time to get down and nerdy. Here are your hosts, James Witham and Nick Pataglia. Kind of another special edition of the Down and Nerdy podcast on episode 116, where there was a lot of talk about virtual reality this week, Nick, so I thought we'd broadcast this week's show in actual reality. I'm just glad you got your clothes on, because, you know, the longest line, according to our friend Abby Darkstar, was at the Naughty America VR booth, so again... Thank you for having pants, sir. I thank you as well. I mean, that's very important to this dynamic of the show. Even though Riddle says we don't wear them, we do wear pants even when we're recording. I'm James Witham alongside. (laughs) The fully clothed, Uh, Murray Quick One Arm, Nick Battaglia. And yeah, man, E3, it was this this week. And, uh, you know, we'll dive more into it this week about what we liked and and what trailers caught our eyes and what were, you know, what games we want to play and everything else. But this year, kind of, I mean, they moved it. To like, you know, it's going to start Sunday, and it kind of went, at least for conference-wise, it started Sunday, and then pretty much went to, what, Tuesday-ish, Monday? Yeah, it ended with Sony, mm-hmm. but then you had Nintendo Treehouse, which wasn't really much. If, yeah. it was, if you're a Pokemon person or a Zelda person, that was pretty much it for the most part. But, I mean, it was just one of those things where, does E3, do you feel like, I mean, it's a big thing, there's still lines out the door, but do you feel like sooner or later E3 might not exist or be on this grand of a scale as, um, it, as it is? It, think, it, just, it didn't feel as grand to me this year. I think I, I think we'll always have the conferences, so I think that for for that purpose, I think E3 will always exist, but I, I do love that they're all streaming. I think that E3 uh, is one of those things that you could not necessarily have to go to unless... You're going there to demo the games. If you're actually going to go, stand in line, play the games, get the hands-on experience, then then you need to go to E3. But even then... You're waiting in line for like four hours to play 15 minutes of a demo. Yeah, and how much of a game are you really going to get to play? Plus, I mean, you've never played this game before in a lot of instances, and the controls are all new. You know how there's a feeling-out process when you play any game for the first time. So if you suck, you're sitting there for 10, 15 minutes sucking... And then you got the person behind you going like, "Oh, come on, man! Come on!" <laughs> well, no, I I've never played this before, kind of thing. I mean, unless it's a continuation type game, and we'll get into some of those sequels a little bit later on. But yeah, I get it. I mean, I'm, how many games can you really expect to play or demo at E3 at all? Well, speaking of games, it's time that we go into our next segment, of course, because coming up next on Down the Podcast, we normally do what we're reading, but this week. Because it's E3, we're going to be doing what we're playing. So stay tuned. More Down Nerdy come up next. This is Brittany Ishibashi from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Out of the Shadows. And you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, nerds, we're putting away the long boxes this week, and we're picking up the controllers instead, because this week, and for one week only, it's what we're playing. Of course, we're doing this because it's E3. And what this segment's going to be is... We're going to talk about what games are we most excited about to play. And I'll go first, James. We'll kind of go 1-1-1 one, one, one in a way. Okay. The game, I'm a, as you know, as people know, I own a PlayStation 4. As you know, people know, I've I've had both systems for a while between Xbox and Sony, but I've had to brand myself. I'm more of a Sony person, I would oh, say. I, God of War. Like, 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 goddamn. Like, literally. God of War, goddamn. I mean, I'm excited for this because... It's going off of, they're going away from the Greek mythology aspect and going more towards the Norse mythology. Mm-hmm. And this game, just from a combat standpoint and just from the overall look of it, it looks fantastic. Kratos is more, as you can tell, older now. He has a son now. And one thing people might not have caught during the demonstration was you can toggle between him and his son and right. it's kind of a building experience so it's kind of like are they going to be building towards the son being the main antagonist or main protagonist or you know because this is kind of a thing where they said during the press conference where Kratos kind of feels that being a god you know he has you know Zeus's blood his son does and he has the blood of a guy he's kind of you know half human half god and how he's kind of like, that's going to kind of haunt him and stuff like that. And so it's going to be pretty interesting. And just the the areas look great. Uh, it, it, I, I'm excited for this game. I can't wait to play it when it comes out because it's been a while. And, and God of War, I think, has been one of those things where, you know, you've had, like, God of War Ascension and everything else like that. And But really, 
you haven't really had a true successor to God of War three. And this is where it's going to pick off, pick right. up too, which is a good thing. And what, what what else they did was they gave Kratos a soul, yeah, in this game, and I love that. It's the first God of War game you've actually given him feelings, right? And I think that that's going to be really awesome going forward. So I could see exactly why that would be on your list, right? And, and it's just one of those things where you you see that bond that he's starting to kind of have with his son. He's kind of teaching him things, and it's just one of those things where. I look at this game and I'm like, again, it's not just anger. It's not just person filled with so much hate and everything else. It's no, I'm older now. I have a soul. I I have you know. And the thing is, there's like a little bit of a meter. People, you caught if you caught that during the gameplay, you can pretty much scold him or you can calm down and like yeah, be calm with the kid. So maybe that has some, you know some maybe that impacts the story a bit and how the kid goes. You know who knows right. Hey, gamers, work on your parenting with yeah. God of War. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> it's like in it's like in the what was it like junior high or the early years of high school where they made you carry where they made the girls carry the baby dolls around right. and stuff like that. Right. I don't know what it's like to be a mom. Right. I guess this is kind of like that for gamers. Find out how to be a dad with Kratos and God of War. Well, what game kind of caught your eyes, man? Well, I mean, one of the games. That, I mean, you talk about the Viking mythology, and I kind of gravitated towards that too, but with a different game, which was For Honor. Yeah. Because when when you see For Honor, of course, we saw it at E3 last year as well. We got a little bit of a taste of it, but this year they like epically kicked it up to the nth degree. It looks like the controls of Tomb Raider in one gigantic Lord of the Rings epic battle type deal, and I mean, like. In the gameplay where you're climbing the walls and dodging stuff that's being thrown down at you. And then once you get up there, it's like a frenzy free fall. And can I just say that I love any game where the axe is your weapon? Yeah. Because to me, that is the most brutal, just archaic battle device that there is. And man, the way that you yield it in the gameplay is absolutely unbelievable, I think. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the best games ever is Golden Axe, so I mean, right, yeah, exactly. I, I can see your point. I just really quite like just highlight the dev, though, the guy that came out and talked about For Honor. I love that guy. Man, his energy on stage, and I know that we're going to get into this a little bit later on about the, the, the amount of talking that was at some of these conferences, but his energy on stage when he was talking about For Honor, you can tell this is his baby. This is his golden yeah. child this is something that he's poured so much heart and soul into and then he believes it and the guy looks like a viking already yeah so that actually helps and i don't know if he's gonna jump right, right into the game or not but so so we know that you're gonna be if when you when you play this you're gonna be more of the you know the viking person you're gonna be that type Absolutely. of battle axe man i've got that nordic background in my genealogy <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think with the history of Vikings, I think we all have that. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Whether we like it or not, it's there. Right. right. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm more towards the samurai angle, man. I, I just I love samurais. That. I love that 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 early age Japan. You know, I love the masks, and I mean, you know, it was just it was just the gear. We didn't really get any of that this year, right? Right, and and that kind of makes you kind of wonder what the game too is. You know, you can, apparently you can choose between the three, but it's like, is it going to be one of those things where every story is connected, where like you can spend some time as a Viking and sometimes as a knight and sometimes as a samurai? I, I think that's the angle that they're actually going to go. I think that they're going to, you're going to get that connectivity. But I like the fact that you're going to be able to do that, though. I mean, it's it's not like uh, Warcraft where it's, you know, like for the Horde or for the Alliance, you're going to get a right. little bit of a piece of everything. I know that the Star Wars Battlefront games have done that in the past, or the Old Republic games have done that in the past, where, you know, sometimes you were with the Rebels, and sometimes you were, you were with the Alliance kind of thing, going back and forth a little bit. So, I just like it, man. The, the whole setting, where it just looks like, you know, everything is on fire, and there's hundreds yeah. of people battling, and it's just, it's like, if this is the way this game is going to be, like, all the time, I am stoked, and I am really looking forward to this. Well, yeah, and the game that I'm looking forward to, man, I know that it wasn't presented, but the, at E3, because we got the trailer a little bit early, but prior to E3, but they are like, you know, Nether Realms doing some stuff and showing gameplay as well at E3, and that's that's injustice too, man. Oh yeah, well, it's not their fault it leaked early because then at that point, yeah. what do you do? You know, you right. just kind of roll with it. Right. So it's just one of those things, man, where 
I, I, I'm excited for it. They're going to have from apparently the uh, cast of characters. Apparently, it's going to have about 28, maybe 30 uh, people on the roster. Of course, it's probably not going to include the DLC people. Um, and then people, one of the things that people were complaining about and kind of worrisome about a little bit, or just wondering, was the whole armor thing. And they're wondering about that. And you know, the thing is, when it comes to that. Ed Boomer said, yeah, after each fight, whatever, you're going to get little loot crates and stuff like that, and they're going to contain certain pieces of armor or certain things. Which you things. saw on the gameplay footage, by the way. Right, right. And, I, I mean, everything looks great, and then people are saying, well, why are there fatalities? It's another realm game. You do know that Batman doesn't kill people, right? Like, you know, certain people characters don't really kill people. Yeah, and did you play the first Injustice game? Yeah, come on. I mean, I mean, there were there were a couple of people, there were a few people that died in that game, but it wasn't because of, you know, it wasn't because of the battles that the superheroes were actually doing. It was part of the story mode. So you, know, you can't have fatalities in the super, even though this is kind of like an alternate timeline sort of story. And, you know, Superman's different. And there's a few other characters that are very different. This is still superheroes. You can't just off people in every fight. <laughs> Right, exactly, man. I mean, it's just, it's supposed to seem like, wait, you're telling me that Superman got killed with a, like by being shot in the head by Joker? Right. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm <laughs> thinking no. No. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, that's that's a game we're looking forward to as well. Another game that I'm looking forward to, and, and it actually got announced that they're doing a movie as well. We'll get more to that in a second, but or later in the show. But Watch Dogs 2. Yes, I was going to bring that up. That was actually going to be my next game. It's almost like Hitman meets iRobot. I have you love noticed it. That, but have you noticed that both your games have been Ubisoft? I know. It's not a purpose. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I, I mean I've always been a fan of Ubisoft, and I, and, I, and I love what they do. But, I mean, I know that Watch Dogs, the, the original Watch Dogs, you know, felt kind of wooden. They didn't really give the characters much personality, yeah. stuff like that. I think that based on the gameplay that we saw, we're getting a little bit more of that personality. Plus, I mean, think about it. Young adults and teenagers, kind of moody anyway. Right. So I kind of understood why they did that in the first Watch Dogs. But it looks to, like we're getting a little bit more light here. But not to mention, just, I mean, it's set in San Francisco, and it looks amazing. But the soundtrack, when you're doing missions, yeah. like, you have music that plays through. And something I think the first game to really do a good job of was, you know, with, with Watch Dogs 2... It feels more like a community, like you know what I'm saying. It like does, part, yeah. it feels, it feels like you're more part of something. You know, like, like you know, one of the things as we talked about off air was, you know, the reason why they, they announced the movie, and we're like, oh well, you know, Mr. Robot had a big part of helping that out, and it's mm-hmm. like with Mr. Robot, you you know, being part of of this group, and you're being part of like this family, and that's what you kind of felt like with this, with your character, and then just the interactions the characters had with people. And you just feel like you're part of this big, big thing, man. I'm excited about it, man. It looks really, really fun. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm going to go away from Ubisoft here, I swear, because the next game I was kind of looking at, and I, I don't know if anybody ever played the old PC Blade Runner game. I know that I did, and oh, I know other people did. It was, I'm going to go to Detroit Becomes Human, because, man, ah, that gameplay just looks so amazing. And every you have to make decisions in this game on the fly, and, and they showed you kind of, and I don't want to go into the trailer, but when you saw the gameplay, every time you make a decision, it can have a different outcome in how the game's going to go, and I love that. So there's going to be different endings. There's gonna, they showed you like four or five different scenarios as to how you answer a question, the hostage situation, right. how it goes. I love games like that, and, and I like the Android feel about how, you know, it's again, it's just like... Blade Runner, where it's the replicants against the actual humans. You know, the humans don't accept the replicants. Well, the humans aren't accepting the androids in this either. And there's an uneasiness there. He's like, you're sending my, you're sending an android in to save my daughter type of thing. And the gameplay looks so realistic, which you could say that about a lot of games now. But dude, when I saw this and I got that Blade Runner vibe and I saw that you had to actually answer questions as you go, I'm like, this is, it's like they got into my mind and said, <laughs> what game would you really want? It would be this. I look at that game and there's there's one thing that I love that I'm really intrigued by. And there's another thing that I'm very worrisome about. The first thing I'm worrisome about is when you see games where you, have, you can make multiple choices, my only fear is that they don't change the story in a drastic way. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, as if you do, it's just an action that changes or whatever. And then there's not like multiple storylines, you know, it's just that there's one right. storyline, but with a different option, you know, and that's what, what I fear about when you can win those right. types of games where you make those choices. However, in seeing those choices, 
it brought me back to a game which I didn't like the ending, but I liked the overall thought and idea of it, which was L.A. Noir. Mm. And that brings you to the idea of interrogating somebody and, and kind right. of asking certain questions. They can go different ways, and maybe that's a way they're going to go with it. Who knows? But again, you're know, going back to the Blade Runner games and stuff like that with you. But for me, again, going back to that whole, I love detective stuff. I love things like like puzzles. Puzzles are one thing, but actually, like here are some options, and there's a multitude of ways that this conversation can go depending on what you choose. Mm. I like that, man. I like doing the detective work and stuff like that. It's really, really fun. And you're working a case and you're working missions and there's, you know, there's victims and evidence and stuff like that. It's like bringing the Arkham Arkham Asylum, Arkham City investigation mode to an actual detective story and involving androids. And then a city like Detroit, which... You know, today is kind of you know Detroit's not what it used to be. So you bring it's it to Detroit. yeah. So you bring it to you know a more a little bit more of a futuristic Detroit, and it's like where is the city evolved to now? I think is also going to be a very interesting side aspect. And go back to the Blade Runner game for a second. There were times where. You know, the, the the one thing about this game is it's going to have replayability because you're going to want to know, okay, right. if I'd have done this differently, how would this have gone? But there were decisions that you made in that game that at the time didn't seem like they were important. But then when you got towards the end, you're like, oh, shit. So this completely changed this, but like right. six missions later. So you didn't even get the payoff until later. And I thought that that was really smart. So I hope that there's elements of that in Detroit Become Human. Right. And one game before we move on to Geek Tainment, uh, the one game that I, I, I'm shocked no one was mentioned was Quake. Quake yes. is coming back. Yes. I'm, I'm so excited for that because I actually tweeted Bethesda before, like, about 15, 20 months before the conference started, I was like, so, any chance that Quake's coming back? Because you guys brought back Doom. <laughs> and then they start off with Yep, and then they Quake. start off, and, and I'm sitting there, and, and from the other room, my wife hears me go, no way. She said, what? I said, Quake's coming back. She said, what's that? And I went, okay. We're going to talk for just a second. I'll let you know what it is <laughs> when this is over. I was excited, man, because I was more of a Quake guy than a Doom right. guy. Well, the thing is, with Quake, is Quake, I think... Um, at least from what we're seeing here, it might be a little bit more of a character-driven thing than in the past. Quake, I haven't been big on since Quake 2, back yeah, in the day. Either. It was like, like Nintendo 64 days yeah. or whatever. Uh, Quake 3, okay, but I mean, again, it's just one of those falling off points, but it this looks... Yeah. But again, Bethesda, well, what they did with Doom was... And this is a thing, too, I think, definitely. The response that Doom got, where people were like, oh my god, this is amazing, and da-da-da... That, I think, allowed Bethesda to show Quake. Yeah. I think if, if Doom mm-hmm. didn't have such a good response to it, to, the, to it coming back, and, and the game wasn't good, uh, I think we wouldn't see Quake at, at part of Bethesda's thing. No, not at all. As a matter of fact, when they had that response at last year's E3, I think one of the first things that they thought, other than, okay, we got to make this a good game, is they went, hmm, well... We know that Quake was popular, too. I wonder if we get the same response from that. And they sure did in a big way. So I'm actually glad that they're going to move forward that. And, I mean, the way that multiplayer gaming has evolved over the years, it's a no-brainer to bring back Quake. And what I want to see is, are we going to be able to make customizable maps to yeah. play in the champions mode when it's a player versus player type of environment. Are people going to be able to make custom land, custom worlds and custom maps for people to kind of wage war on? Because I think that would be a really cool feature if they decide to add that. Exactly. That's going to do it for what we're playing this week. But come next is this week in Geek Tan. We're going to talk about what trailers really caught our eyes in terms of E3 games. So stay tuned. More Down Nerdy. Come up next. This is Timothy Truman, comic book writer and illustrator, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Normally this is when we're breaking down a trailer or movie or something like that for you, but you know, it's E3, so we're breaking down trailers all right, and our favorite trailers from the conference, and Nick, I think I'm going to go first this time because one of the trailers that really caught my eye and one of the biggest reveals of one of the conferences I think was Dishonored too. Yeah, yeah, I like the sound too. I mean, the whole steampunk environment. I like that you can kind of switch between characters or play as both characters. And I, I one thing I like, and that I think is important in terms of whenever you're dealing with somebody who has powers, a skill tree 
is, I think, very important in building that character up and kind of evolving that character because you feel like as you're going forward, you're evolving with that character. So there's some certain traits, personalities, and yeah, I mean, that trailer looked pretty, pretty badass. I'm not gonna lie. Yep, and I mean, it's gonna be, it's gonna take place several years after the last game. And one of the things that I liked about the gameplay trailer was that shadow walk power. Yeah, dude. That is epic. That's got, like, Guillermo del Toro style written all over it. I mean, it was just freaky, but it's almost like the ultimate power. It's like, she's going to grab you, and there's going to be pretty much nothing that you can do about it. And and the fact that, I mean, it has a legit, like, Game of Thrones story vibe to it as well, where there's sort of a betrayal angle, and and then you you start to get the inner workings of of okay who's on whose side and the gameplay almost looked like it was just so natural in the trailer. Yeah, man, and the gameplay just looked really really natural. And the gameplay I'm kind of <sighs> the gameplay that I'm looking forward to. You know, we haven't really seen anything outside of the trailers themselves. I would say um, because I think certain times I don't think we haven't. In certain trailers, you don't, they say this is gameplay, but I don't think it is gameplay. Right. Uh, Battlefield One, and and I love the fact that they're going back to the night, you know, World War One era. Because if you really know your shit about World War One, it was a very fucked up war. Oh yeah, it was. Like like reason for going into it in general and getting started in the war in general, it was really messed up. Well, uh, I mean, uh, remember we were late. Into right. World War One as well, as far right. as and, America goes, we were late into that one for a reason. So right, and uh, and I think that you know you look at that, and I just want to say this really quick about EA because EA's Prince Conference. The reason why we haven't really talked about it is because it was just sports and sports and war, and that was pretty much it. The guy says when, when the guy stood there and says they brought this really interesting pitch. I'm like, no. You fucking didn't like the pitch in the beginning because you wanted to be futuristic and you wanted to be like Call of Duty and go in the go in the future and be futuristic and not have much character about it. It's like and you and your main reason why at first you didn't like the idea for the Battlefield One and being part of World War One is because you thought that kids today wouldn't. No, this is true. You thought kids today wouldn't understand and get the concept of World War One. Well, I'm sorry. Simpler times equals better times gee it's not like we should try and teach our kids anything in video games either should we that that just man that just would not be right at all i think it's cool man and i think kids will get it i think that once you get sucked into the story it's not gonna matter sure the gun's not gonna shoot laser beams out of it or anything but you know what it's gonna make you do it's gonna make you think about things a little bit more before you do them because there's no futuristic gun that's gonna get you out of this one this is old school stuff so you might have to solve things a little bit differently than you would in a futuristic game and i think that that you know not to get all parenty or anything but that brings problem solving skills more to the forefront to me you know what would be great too, and this is what I want to see. I, this is what I kind of want to see trickle in a little bit, just to get a little test on how it looks. And in, in games that are like first-person shooters or games that have guns in it, I would like to have games where guns jam. You know, yeah, and, sh- and maybe like, maybe we get that here. You know, maybe. like who knows? Maybe you're firing off something and it just you're firing off a turret or something like that. Maybe something just jams, and who knows? And that'd be something interesting. Like you're in the middle of a firefight, and you're like you shot. Okay, I shot two bullets, and also you go to shoot the third, and it just the gun's jammed. You know, and stuff like that. Yeah, it's that realism that you need to bring to the table, and I think that that will make it a little bit better. And maybe that would make it frustrating for the younger gamers, but again, I think it adds a level of difficulty to a game, but also a level of realism. And that's the only right. thing I'm worried about with Battlefield. I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I did like what I saw from the trailer, and I think that it it's definitely looks very epic, and I'm excited for World War One. I'm just worried they're not going to execute it properly because it's not what they really wanted to do. Yeah, man. And, and, and you know, I, if you don't mind, I'll go in with another trailer that actually caught my, my eyes. Like, I, I, this is something where I don't cry when I watch trailers. Mm-hmm. However, whenever I see... A legend walk on stage that after a year or years of hell this person's gone through and just gets so excited and just so happy for somebody. Hideo Kojima walking on stage and Mm -hmm. saying, I'm back. God damn it for me. I'm not going to lie. That's my E3 moment. Death Stranding. It has Norman Reedus. Um, apparently, like, laying on what appears to be uh, ocean floor, but there's no ocean. And there's some things that kind of I, it kind of caught some people's wondering as well. Outside of Norman Reese's ass, uh, the, yeah, that uh, caught a lot of attention, actually. Right, <laughs> right. The uh, the five dog tags he has around his neck. Mm-hmm. You know how Hideo Kojima 
is very like he likes using certain imagery and certain callbacks in a sense and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it's like, could those five dog tags be reminiscent of the five Melgar games he did? You know, yeah, I certainly think that that was it. I think that was a little Easter egg for sure. Yeah, and and, and just uh, apparently there's a rumor going around that somebody in the orchestra yelled "fuck Konami" when Hideo walked on stage. <laughs> I did not hear that. Yeah. That would have been cool. I did not hear that at all. It was a rumor that was going around. Somebody in the orchestra yelled, fuck Konami. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of anger there and, and for well, what seems like good reason. So. Well, Konami's not really, after everything you've, you've read in the past year, Konami's not really one of the most uh, places you want to work. No. No, I would take that one off the list. But sure. it's very interesting because there's not, again, there's not much we know about outside of a tra- the trailer. You know, what does this story include? You know, everything else like that. And, and what is this? And, and, you know, and why does Norman Reeves have that scar in his stomach? What is, right. with, this, what is with this baby? You know, what is with the hand? Was that baby cut out of him? That's the other right. thing you're starting to wonder. It's like, okay, that's kind of a massive C-section scar. Yeah. Is, is this what we're doing? Because now I'm a little confused, but in a good way. Yeah. Exactly, man. But I mean, it's just, and also, I mean, after you know the whole Silent Hill thing was canceled, the resident, you know, stuff like that. I'm glad that Norman Reedus and Hideo are are working on a project together still. You know. Yeah, I texted you when that when that happened. I was like, well, so much for Silent Hill, huh? And it's like, it's almost like who cares about Silent Hill now because this actually looks like it might be a better game and a better concept because Silent Hill there's always going to be the the attachment to stuff that's already happened. So this looks like it's going to be a completely 100% new story and from the minds that are bringing it, I think that's a really good thing. Exactly. Well, speaking of Silent Hill, a game that we actually saw as well, uh, Resident Evil 7, and I want to bring this up. Two things. I'm glad that Resident Evil finally looks like it's going to be back to the horror genre it is. Yep. Like, I'm, I'm glad it's like it's like legit what lurks in the dark kind of thing. The only problem I have with it is is that it's Resident Evil Seven. I want them to really reboot everything. I want yeah. to, you know, no no Wesker, no no stuff like that, no Leon, just new characters. You know, if I make a first person, make a first person. I don't care. It just, it just, it's, you know, you look at what Sony's did, has done with God of War when they said, God of War, it's not God of War 4, it's just God of War. This was the perfect opportunity for them to rebrand and restart Resident Evil, just saying, yep, right. it's just called Resident Evil and that's it. Right, well, and, and we know that God of War is not going to be a hard reboot, but it's definitely going to be a, a retelling, not a re- retelling, but it's going to kind of start anew. Yeah. And really created that vibe. Resident Evil 7, we didn't see a lot from the trailer, but it doesn't really seem like it's going to be that way, other than the fact that, like you said, it's going to get back to the horror genre. The thing that I worry about with this is not only that they're not kind of starting anew, but... This is a, a gaming series that's lost its way for yeah. quite a while. Since, I, I'd say since four. Yeah, really. so I mean, now you're talking about going to seven when you're right. What would have kind of eased all of our worries, I think, is if they just decided, okay, let's just start from scratch. I know people hate reboots, but this is Resident Evil, so people are going to check it out anyway. Let's do a different take. Let's start with something fresh. Maybe they're going to do that, even though they're calling it 7. I don't know. I think that we're really early in the early stages, but I agree with you. If you're going to do this with God of War, why not do the exact same thing with Resident Evil? I don't know, man. It's very particular, but I can't wait to play the games we mentioned because they look fun as hell to play. But come next... We have some nerd news, and Microsoft announced something big at their press conference. What is it? Well, we'll tell you. Find out. Nerd news come up next. Hey, this is B.B. Wong from Gotham on Fox, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, nerds, it's time to be walking to the video game store and see what's coming out and see what's trending, because it's time for what, James? Nerd news! And, uh, well, I'm going to let you hit off nerd news because there was a game we didn't mention last segment that we were off mic you're like well, are we gonna get to this game and i was like oh shit we gotta mention it we got how can i forget so without further ado sir go i was, I was a little disappointed i'm like wait a minute aren't, aren't we gonna talk about this because because it's gonna be really cool when it comes out december 29th 2017 and that's spider-man how can we not think about spider-man because marvel is finally getting back into serious gaming again. And yeah. Nick, it doesn't look like we're with Activision anymore. No, we're actually going to be with Insomniac this time around. And 
God damn, does that game look fucking beautiful. It like, looks beautiful, and, it looks fun. And, and I mean, I'm not going to lie, it looks like we got some gameplay with that as well. A little, little, bit, little mix of gameplay uh, in it. And here's the thing. I, they, I like what they did with the suit. I know people aren't happy with it, but it's like they reinvented the suit. And it's not like there's not going to be DLC you can't get or p- things you can't unlock. There's going to be skins. Suits. Come on. Yeah, man. come on. But one thing, hey, it has the eyes that 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 move like we saw in Civil War, man, yep, and yep. and we don't know who the main villain is going to be. We we do know that this is going to be a much older Peter Parker just by his fighting, the way he fights, and everything else. So, what do you think, man? What do you think it's going to going to have now that Activision's not doing the game anymore? Now it's under Insomniac. I actually like this because I think the part of the part of it is is that you got to mix the serious Peter Parker with the fun Peter Parker, and the fact that what we're getting here is a game from the people that make Ratchet and Clank, okay? Yeah. So when I see that, I think to myself, so they know how to make a game fun. So yep. right off the bat, I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be a fun Spider-Man that we're going to get, and there is going to be some serious aspects. I don't think it really matters who the main villain is. I actually think that we're going to get a few different Spider-Man villains. Yeah. I do think that we'll have a main villain. Um, I, I don't know why, but I'm thinking Doc Ock off the top of my head. I'm thinking Doc Ock's possibility. I don't think they'll do Goblin because I think Goblin's because the Goblin was done way back on the PS2 game. Yeah, I think that game everybody feels like that's been done. Uh, Doc Ock, I would, I could see um, who's maybe maybe a Sinister Six type of a thing. Maybe could be, could be. Who, who knows, you know? But I mean, either way, we're getting a new Spider-Man game, and I'm very excited. But speaking of of exciting moments. One character that we've been wanting for a long time is Crash Bandicoot. When is Crash coming back? When is Crash coming back? Well, if you've played Uncharted 4, he's back in the way, and Sony announced, guess what? We're remastering Crash 1, Crash 2, and Crash 3 Warped. Man, when he walked out on the stage and you saw Crash was the shadow, yes, I was like, oh, oh here we go. The One of the rumors is actually true. And not only that, but, I mean, we finally got the news that Crash is going to be in Skylanders as well. And so that, if you're a Skylanders fan, right. you could get a little bit of early Crash. Right, and, and I think that this is what's going to happen. Because one thing we've seen a lot so far in the video game eras, I, I believe, that we've seen lately when it comes to remasters, is that remasters are a way that... Game companies now measure interest in sequels. For oh, example, definitely. oh, definitely. For, for example, you had The Last of Us, and you had The Last of Us Remastered, which then you know they package. I have, I own The Last of Us Remastered because it came with my PlayStation. And then you have, you know, the uh, the Nathan Drake collection. What happened? Those were remastered a little bit, and you got Uncharted Four, Return Not, to Arkham. Hello, right, yeah, right, yep, Arkham exactly. And now with Crash, so if Crash Bandicoot Remastered sells well. We could see a new Crash, a Crash 4, or even Crash just being rebooted. And I think the way that they made Crash look at Skylanders and everything else, that's a way for them to also reintroduce them to this this new genre of gamers, this new era of gamers. You know, people who didn't grow up with PS1s and stuff like that. We're talking kids who grew up with PS3s and, and, and even PS4 eras and stuff like that, you know, and, and, and stuff. So... I mean, Grant, well, granted, if you grew up in the PS4, you technically be three years old. But, well, hey, yeah, we much. <laughs> but hey, we've seen, but hey, there's Minecraft out there. Kids get actually get hooked on Minecraft, I think, right. what, early and as age the, three. And so. the story mode, and we saw a little bit of that in, in right. one of the presentations as well. But this is one of those times where you can speak with the one thing that speaks to companies the loudest. It's not hashtags, kids. It's your wallet. You right. want a new Crash Bandicoot game? Spend your money on the remastered edition. <laughs> I am doing that. that. That will make them make a new one. That's what speaks. Money makes the world go round, okay, whether you like it or not. So if you want a new Crash game, buy these, and that will make them go, huh, maybe we should make a new Crash instead of just giving hashtag campaigns. This will speak a lot louder than that. Which is funny because, you know, last year Rare came out with the whole the whole Rare collection for, for Microsoft, and it's kind of one of those things where you look at it and you're kind of like, Okay, I know we're getting a new rare game, but I, like we're not getting new Battle Toads, we're not getting a new whatever from Rare. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we're gonna have a lot to say about Microsoft when we do our our overall impressions of E3 right. in the next segment. Trust me, and that's gonna be one of the points right there. So we will definitely get to that. Well, speaking of Microsoft, they announced Project Scorpio, which a lot of people are saying, "Oh, it's a new console. It's a new console." It's to me. It's not a new console. I mean, it is, but it's not. And the reason why I say that is because you have the Neo coming out from Sony, which is, of course, 
the higher, apparently more powerful PS4. To me, this is just a more powerful Xbox One, and nothing more, nothing less. Well, uh, I mean, I think every console is a more powerful version of its predecessor, unless there's any right. major hardware changes. But we've we've reached a thing. And this is kind of a scary and sad kind of thing, where we've reached the. And this is the only way I can really categorize it: is the iPhone era of video game consoles, where okay. You have PS4, and then a couple years later, you're going to have the PS Neo, which is a PS4, but a little bit more powerful. Then this one, you got the Xbox One, but a couple more years, you're going to have the Xbox Scorpio, whatever it's going to be called, you know? And yeah, like the, whatever the working title is going to be now. Right, and that's the thing, is I look at that, I'm kind of like, uh, I well, mean, it's our main topic, but I mean, it's just... Think about it, uh, and I, I heard them talk about this on IGN, and I wanted to give them credit for it because it's it's a great point that I think needs to be brought up. And one of the guys was saying, he's like, nobody walks into wherever you buy your consoles and says, hey, do you have that console with the six teraflops and this yeah. and that? Nobody, nobody's going to say that. So yeah. it's almost like, okay, what are you bringing to the table here? And if it is more powerful, and we'll get into the whole no one's left behind crap a little bit later on, but what are we really getting here? I mean, you're getting more computing power. You're probably getting a little bit more hard drive space, so that's going to be good, but, I mean, you should get that in a, in a new console anyway. But I think that they're going to focus a little bit too much on not just virtual reality technology, but 4K technology, because until you get a 4K TV, none of this really matters. I mean, it's right. great that they're going to look better, and there's certain things that, you know, it's going to be like almost the remaster of the remaster, but if you don't have the technology to match it, it's like, what difference does it make? Right, and and 4K TVs aren't cheap either. So it's like, okay, you say, say you guys spend like, just I'm just throwing a number out there. Say you guys spend like three to $4,000 on a new TV, right? Then you guys spend an extra four to five on a, a Neo or Scorpio. I would say five at least. Yeah. At least. Let's go with five. So you're spending almost five grand pretty much throw the vr headset in there too don't forget about that okay so another 400 on that yeah okay so okay so you're th- 55 six, six you're spending two to three thousand dollars extra almost when, when you include games and and, and just headsets yep, you're going that, about like that. Yeah, right you know so it's gonna be uh again it's just one of those things where i think that this is gonna be a thing where they're gonna try to do this but uh they're rushing it, though. That's they my are. problem, is that they know Neo is coming. So right. they're like, you know what? We need to get in front of this now so we can have a year where we can cash grab but and also, be the only one with a newer, more powerful console before this comes out. Because if we don't, we're going to be screwed. But also, this puts a lot of pressure on devs, too. Because if you think about it, okay, we just have two consoles we got to make stuff for. Now we have to do it for four, even though they're on the same platforms technically. But now we have to... Raise the aspect ratio, redo right. everything. And then at what point later on, do you, as a developer, do you say, you know, okay, we have Scorpio and Neo, but do we pay more attention to those? Or do we pay more attention to the PS4 and the Xbox right. Ones themselves? And not only that, don't give me this whole, oh, this is going to make the developers really happy crap, because it's really not, especially if you're an indie game developer. Oh, Jesus. What do you do? Do you just kind of stay the course and make your game, or, do you, or are you like, all right, well, now i got to step it up, and maybe this is going to start to edge out indie gamers a little bit who think that they have to go big or better, although a couple of the biggest cheers at E3 were for 8-bit games. So, I mean, what, I, mean I, don't, I don't know what you, what you do with that, but I agree. And then you introduce the, the uh, Xbox One S, which is a slimmer version, which is great, and I think that people were kind of wanting that, but do you want it now that Project Scorpio is sitting out there? Right, exactly, man. That's the thing. It's like, you know, I was going to get to it later in the next segment, but you hit on the head, and you mentioned it, and it's like... Okay, this is a smaller Xbox One, but you know, okay, say you don't have a console, right? Say you say, okay, I was going to get Xbox One. They say, well, here's you know Xbox, you know Project S or whatever, and it's a smaller version. And it's like, okay, cool, I'm going to get that when it comes out because it's smaller, more compact, da da da. It's a newer version, which makes a difference. Makes a difference. But then they say, wait a minute, we got this new powerful Xbox One coming out in a couple of years, and it's like, well, shit, you just now, now, even though it's the thing is. Is even though people say what well, they they would wait like a year or two years to spend that five hundred dollars whatever on Scorpio, it's like so either people are saying well either way Microsoft is getting their money. Well, it's like yes, but they're not getting their money now. They're not getting it when they need it. Right, you know? and and you know as well as I do, anytime you want to call it a new console, a new console or not, 
these things aren't hard release dates, okay? Right. You have no idea when Project Scorpio is coming out because, quite frankly, they don't even have a name for it yet. This is just a the, project when, name. When, yeah, when you work on a project, you give the project a name, and then when it when it becomes closer to completion, you actually name it what you're going to name it. And they haven't even gotten to that phase yet. So if you think right. that this soccer is coming out in 2017, don't count your chickens, folks, because there's no no saying that's necessarily going to be out by holiday of 2017. I don't care what they say. Well, I mean, before we rolled out DonNerryPodcast.com, it was on, it was titled their Project Ass Man. So, I mean, you well, know. Well, I mean, then there's that. But coming up next, we're going to give our thoughts on the presentation as a whole. Which ones stood out to us? Which companies have more to work on for next year? That's coming up next right here on the Don Nerdy Podcast. Hey guys, this is IDW Senior Staff Writer and Editor Tom Waltz, and you are listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Well, you've heard about what games we're excited to play, you've heard about the trailers, you've heard about all the news from E3, now it's time to put a bow on it, wrap it up nice and neat, and talk about our overall impressions of E3. And before we dive into the conferences, Nick, i got to be honest, the E3 just didn't seem like the huge epic e3 that i remember i for some reason it seemed shorter it didn't seem like there was much as much hype around it it seems like it kind of snuck up on both you and i and it, for some reason it just didn't seem like it was as big this year as it was last year would you agree with that uh, here's the reason why i think so and i would agree with that is because when remember they first off they moved it started to start on sunday whereas last year i believe what started on thursday or friday i think it was a thursday or friday towards, yeah. towards the weekend when you have that that kind of build up towards the weekend, that's kind of the the what you want to shoot for. Uh, I think by moving it to Sunday and making it like a Monday Tuesday thing in terms of like what conferences and press conferences are happening, uh, that's one thing. You also have developers that aren't really you know aren't really giving things anymore or, or doing any more conferences really. Like we have Square Enix, cool, but it's like it's Final Fantasy and that's it. You know what else are they going to do? Right. Uh, you know, Nintendo has their Treehouse stuff now. They don't do the press conferences anymore, which I think is a sad thing. You know, we don't get that Nintendo press conference. Well, you know, what anymore. do they have to say? Right. You know? But but still, I mean, it's just it's just one of those things where I hope going forward that they that they do go back to doing those. at least at least for Christ's sakes when they get ready to announce the NX and what it is and showcase it. I hope they do. I that. think they will do that. I think that next year they'll go heavy. And I mean. They've been promising this Zelda game for like three years now at E3, and now they're finally right. going to give us something. So I'm, I'm glad that they at least talked about that a little bit. I mean, it looks, it looks cool, but I'm still skeptical until I see it in a, on a store shelf. I'm still skeptical that it's actually going to come out. And we heard a couple mentions of NX in other press conferences, which I thought was a little weird. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, you know, look at the press conferences overall. We're not really going to rank them. I just kind of like just really, let's just run a gamut of... The... Do we even need to rank them? No. We're being honest here. I mean, is no, there even what any... I'm saying is the way that we can talk about them is just let's just go through each one and just say one or two things we liked and one or two things we didn't like. Uh, we'll just go in order. So let's start with EA. So the one thing I, I like about EA is that, of course, Battlefield is one thing. But, of course, I'm a big FIFA player. I don't watch soccer on the regular, but when I do, I always watch like a Man U game because Man U's my team. Yeah, if you got a Man U versus Real Madrid type game or something like that, yeah, that's good stuff. Or, or just a Premier League or, Man, or Manchester United Man City game. I mean, yeah. Be, uh-huh. But uh, I love that and, and I like that what they're doing with it. Now, I like the fact that they're introducing a story mode. My only problem with story mode is that I, you can't customize the character, apparently. You have to be yeah. a character. And I'm kind of like, cool, you're, you're, you're borrowing from what 2K did with, you know, with the Spike Lee stuff and what they did with their, their own story modes, with their uh, My Career mode, which is awesome. But make it personable. Like, they make, being able to make, like, for example, back in the day, like Madden, I think it was, I'm shooting a year out, I think 13 or, or Madden 12 or something like that. Uh, they had this feature where you can, like, Snap, go on this website, snap a picture of yourself on your laptop, like your face, and you can import your face into the game. Right, and then 2K evolved that with the with, phone with the phone and stuff like that and made it 10 times better. So I don't know why they didn't do that with FIFA. To me, that's a huge miss. And speaking of huge misses, is there anything they can even do with Madden anymore? I mean, yeah. honestly. I mean, what, what else can you really do? So you're either going to buy the new Madden because you want the new rosters, or you're not. Because to me... There's for the last few years. There's pretty much no difference in Madden. At but all. the sad thing is, you say that though. I know I just said yeah, but really, you look at NFL 2K6, 2K6 from 2K Games. They sold for twenty dollars. What happened? 
You could watch legit sports centers every each week, which like they had highlights and they had injuries and firings and hirings and signings, and everything else. Right. But you felt you were watching a legit sports center. They have ESPN integration. Why the f- or, or CBS stuff too? Why the fuck don't you use that? I don't know. I mean, I know that there's a lot of money floating around there, and I'm sure that there's a money thing, but. You want to make your game seem different and exciting again? Putting Gronk on the cover is not going to do it, okay? You're going to need unless something it, to bring certain fans back in. I mean, unless it comes with, like, a 30 rack of Natty Ice. I mean, other than that, you know. I, mean, I just, I don't know what else that they can do, man. And it's hard to be excited for Madden. You can bring Stan Verrett on the stage and talk about Madden championships all you want. It's not going to make a difference because, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things you're either going to buy it for the new roster or you want. I mean, I think the EA tried to create some excitement with Star Wars, too, and it just kind of fell flat. I mean, I'm, am I excited for, for Star Wars VR, the X? wing experience for battlefield sure that's going to be awesome but quite frankly i can go to dave and buster's jump in a pod and feel like i'm flying an x-wing too so yeah you know i mean how i mean am i going to spend an extra four hundred dollars on a headset so i can do it at home and have my kids smack it off my face i don't know about that i i don't know man it's just one of those things but i Again, I just don't know because you look at this and you look at what you're doing and what they're doing i'm just looking at it i'm just like uh, okay, so moving on to the next one, Bethesda. We already highlighted Quake. We, they kind of did a little bit of thing of Doom. Uh, I like really quickly what they did with the, the whole Fallout 4 thing and DLC that's coming out there. Uh, not much really you can say outside of that, though, with Bethesda. I gotta say, though, Prey looked really Prey interesting. Prey looked freaking interesting as all hell. Prey looked really, really interesting, and it was one of those things where you were kind of waiting for an original title from them. You were waiting to see what they were going to do, if they were going to do a lot of what Sony does and focus on original titles. And Prey looked really, really neat. I mean, there was a certain futuristic aspect. There was like an alien aspect as well, which Bethesda always does pretty good. So I saw that and I went, huh, Bethesda is actually going to try and give us something a little bit different and a little bit outside of what we're used to. And I think that, you know, because you're always going to get the stuff with Skyrim and stuff like that. So you were kind of expecting that to be a part of it. But when you saw Prey, it was like a breath of fresh air. And unlike how I felt with EA, I felt like when I saw that, I'm like, okay, Bethesda's actually trying to be different. And and don't tell me that EA was trying to do that with Titanfall 2, because just because you're giving everybody a bunch of maps and DLCs and stuff for free, doesn't mean you should be that excited for Titanfall 2. Right, exactly, exactly, man. And then moving on, you know, we're actually really quick before we move on, we want to go back to EA real quick, the whole Star Wars stuff. Not a whole lot there. It was just a bunch of people talking, and that was pretty much it. No yeah, gameplay, really, was, no nothing. Really uh, okay, that, that's pretty much it. Like, here's what's coming. Yeah. You don't okay. see really anything. <laughs> yeah, really, yeah. That's pretty much it. Here's a new game. Yay, it's coming So you guys fight with lightsabers in the office. Cool, I'd love to do that too. Move on. Yeah, move on. Uh, speaking of moving on, we're going to move on. And, of course, you have Microsoft. We kind of went over that pretty much. And, and also same thing with Sony. I, again, it's just one of those things where I felt Microsoft missed the ball on this because it's just, in terms of just, they stuck with hardware. And I want to tell you something. Did you see the price tag of that Gears of War oh, controller? Yeah. $200 for a goddamn controller? Yeah, and I got to be honest, I wasn't that excited about Gears. Yeah, that's the thing, too, is with Gears, I was like, they showed the gameplay, I'm like, it's just another Gears game. And it like, looked better, and last year looked better, actually, yeah. quite frankly. And, I mean, Re- yeah, ReCore looked fun, I'm not going to lie. The ReCore looks fun, it looks lighthearted, I like that. But, I mean, wh- what are you giving me, Microsoft? You're not giving me... What I wanted from a Microsoft press conference, and I'm not going to take them seriously until they do this. And I'm not talking about hardware, I'm just talking about games at this point. Right, right. You need to, Microsoft, give me a reason to buy your console instead of a PS4. And don't give me this ID from Xbox crap, because we still don't have Cuphead. You tried to, re- I mean, they tried to recapture, uh, EA did, and I think this is tied in with Microsoft as well, what they did last year with Unravel with Fee, and to me it just didn't quite yeah, feel the Fee, same way. Fee, I watched that, I saw it, I'm like, it just didn't, I don't want to say it doesn't have the heart, because I mean... It, Christ, the people... It's, it's, it's not a, Unravel. It's not Unravel. And it, it just... It, it's they just tried. one of those things. Yeah, they tried. I mean, you got the developer out there, too, talking. And, I mean, granted, he's, a you know, he's... Was it from Sweden? He works yeah, in like a... and good for him. Sure. And good for him. And it's like a 20-person studio, which is great. But when I watch Fee, I'm like... There's just something about it that just hasn't had the innocence that we had with Unravel. We're like, oh, Yarny, like, you know, kind of stuff like that. And and the thing I'm trying to – the reason I tied that in is because Microsoft tries to do two things. They try to say, oh, 
We're the ones that are friendly with indie gaming. Oh, don't worry. We won't leave you behind. And we'll get to that here in a second with the new console. Don't shove indie gaming on my fa- in my face when you're not going to deliver. And I'm not trying to harp on developers. and how hard your job is. And I know stuff happens. And your games will come out when they come out. But you've got, you're, you've got Microsoft putting undue pressure right. on indie game developers. Because they're trying to say, this is what makes us different from Sony. And this is why you should go with us. But the games aren't coming out. So players are like, okay, that's great. I still don't care. I can play plenty of great games on my PS4. You're not giving us a reason, Microsoft, to buy your console over the PS4. And I want to ask you about this. What? Let's talk about Project Scorpio for a second, just for a second from a different angle. Okay. They said like a billion times, we will not leave you behind. So stuff that you're playing on your Xbox One, that you can play on Windows bullshit. 10. We know that that will be. In the short term, sure, they're not going to leave you behind. I do, I do believe that because... They've already started working on backwards compatibility, and I think maybe not for free, but at least for a fee, you'll be able to keep playing the games that you've been playing on a newer console. However, you and I both know that long-term, that is not a sustainable business plan. Eventually, just like with the PS3 transitioning to the PS4, just like the 360 transitioning to the Xbox One, eventually, you're just going to have to make games for the new console. Exactly. I mean, that's the that's thing. People need to realize that. And this is what, I'm not going to lie, this could destroy the gaming industry because you're pumping out new systems every couple of years, like every two. You're not giving people that nice five to eight year window. I'm still waiting out my window. I know you are. <laughs> you, you, have another, you have another, what, eight, 17 years yeah, before your window opens again. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> By that point, I'll be putting a suit on. And just you know that'll be that'll be the controller. It'll be a, it'll be a motion capture suit. Oh, copyright down a nerdy podcast. By the way, don't try and steal that shit. We came up with that idea first. See, wait, wait, see, okay, is, it, is it fucked up that when you said suit, I'm like, oh, don't die on me, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that that would not be good. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I've got a long way to go. Trust me, I'm gonna see that day when everything's motion capture. But again, you're right. I mean, how do you afford even as somebody? Who, this is what you spend your money on, okay? You don't right. buy fancy cars. You don't live in a huge, luxur- luxurious house. You don't, maybe you don't have a family to support anything like that, and that's fine. You can spend your money on consoles. It's going to be hard for you to sustain that every couple of years. I don't care who you are. Right. Yeah, man. That's the thing is that, again, it's pressure on the, de- the developers. It's pressure on the companies and the people who make it. It's also probably pressure, mostly pressure on the investors, too. And it's just, again, it's, it, I say it could hurt and, and vastly harm the gaming industry because, again, if you're having all these systems coming out, people are going to want to fucking buy them. Right, because... and people are going to say, what are we supposed to do? Yeah. How are we supposed to develop future games? Because now I don't even know what we're, what we're, what we're creating games for. Like, when they mentioned in the Ubisoft press conference, which we'll get to here in a second, when they mentioned in Ubi that Just Dance was going to be coming out for the NX, I said to you, huh, that's funny because we don't know anything about the NX, so it's nice to know there's actually going to be a game that's going to be released for a console we know nothing about. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, speaking of Ubi too, man, again, uh, that game that they had, was it was it Ubi that had the game they had where, where it's like the extreme sports game? Yeah, Steep. Steep. Ah, oh, Steep looks so cool. I mean, that's an untapped, not an untapped market in terms of gaming. And I texted you this when we were when I was when we were watching it. I said, you know, I said uh, this is bringing back that 1080 snowboarding yep. feel. You know, that that great feel of back in the day. You had the old school snowboarding games. You can wear wingsuit. You can ski. You can snowboard. You can do whatever. Yep. Uh, and it just looks fun, man. It really, really uh, looks fun. Of course, you know, going back to. Uh, I believe it's EA or whomever, but the whole Ghost Recon thing, uh, that's nice, but it's just only a Ghost Recon game, really. Yeah, not, I mean, I gloss over it. everything Call of Duty at this point. Yeah, yeah, Call of Ghost, anything Ghost Recon, Call of Duty, kind of brush over, you know, Call of Duty's in space now, I'm like, yeah. um, it doesn't feel, to me, it doesn't feel, I'm people are kind of losing their shit over it, like, in a good way, I'm like, uh, this is, how is this different from, uh, like a Mass Effect, or even though we got some yeah, Mass exactly. Effect Atlanta or, or, or Dead Space, you know? No, that's a perfect example right there. I think you can hit the nail right on the head. It's just Call of Duty Mass Effect kind of thing. I will say one thing that Ubi did that was way different than anybody else was South Park. Oh my god, yes. How fun and hilarious 
does that game look? And it's it's fully interactive. Like the, there was just a stupid little scene that stuck out to me where your character is trying to sit down in their little base of the table and you oh, go yeah. to each chair and Cartman goes, not that one, not that one. That's this a Syrian's chair. <laughs> no, you can't sit there. It was stuff like that where I'm like, this is great. Well, it's great. Like with the whole with the South Park, the fractured but whole, you get to like choose your your kind of your backstory, kind of your you know, what power do you want, and everything else. And I love that it's pretty much based off of it's civil war, but it's more we're, it's civil it's civil war, but it's movie franchise civil war. Right, and there and there. <laughs> The little trailer that they had where they were trying to figure out which movie comes out in which phase. Oh, my God. Oh, that was so great. But this is the kind of – and it looks like an episode of the show. So if you love South Park, you're going to want to play this. If you don't love South Park, it still looks hilarious. There's This is comedy gaming yeah. at its finest right here. When I and saw this, great. I was like, this is a game I want to play. And what's great is what? If you pre-order or pre-buy the Fractured Hole, you get Stick of Truth for free. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, if you haven't played Stick of Truth, why wouldn't you? Stick of Truth is fun as shit. I mean, why wouldn't you do that? And I mean, and another game that we kind of glossed over was Final Fantasy. But again, until it comes out, it's it's another Final Fantasy game. It's another Final I Fantasy game. I don't know how game. you feel about it, but... I, I mean, I, I love Final Fantasy. I play a lot, almost all the games, but... I love it too, but at this point... At this point, I'm kind of like, eh, it's there. Like, the, the combat, I wasn't really impressed by the combat. Can we talk about that for a second? Yeah. Am I the only one that saw those guys were getting their ass kicked during yeah. the demo? Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to throw it out It's there. kind of one of those things where it's like, they need, you don't know, you know need to beat a certain boss, but it's like, the developers just like, okay guys, can you beat this boss now? Because we need to they get to the next part. They were getting crushed yeah. in that demo. I think that that went way longer than it should have. Um, Scalebound is another uh, thing we, we saw with dragons and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that was kind of meh too to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it looks okay. I mean, it looks fine, but I mean, other than that... Right, it so, looks fine, but that's the problem. You're, you're going to drop 60 bucks on fine? Yeah. That's that's the thing that gets me, and there was, there was a lot of that. Until we got to the granddaddy of them all, which was the last press conference. You talk about saving the best for last. I think E3 knew what they were getting with Sony. Yeah, I mean, you had the whole orchestra there. They walk out again. They start off with God of War. They... they and, and one thing I want to say was... This is what I love about Sony's press conference. This is why I think Sony has the best press conferences outside of the whole debacle they had with the whole PS3 pricing and everything like that. Well, yeah. Every game they show, for the most part, I mean, I mean there was two that weren't, but for the most part, every game they showed was an exclusive for PlayStation. Not it was that. legit exclusive. And also, not only that, but uh, they made it about the games. Yes, perfect. Right there. That's all you really need to say. Did we get five minutes of talking total during the entire, what, between, hour and a half? Between the head of Sony and Hideo. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't, and what I love is there weren't really, there wasn't any, I mean, there were demos, but they were, were like, hi, I'm this person. We're going to demo this game. And it's awkward. Right. It's like, here's a demo. We have somebody hiding in the background or whatever playing. They're going to play and that's it. You know, it's like, here's a demo. Watch our games. And that's the thing is that people were through, after Microsoft announced Scorpio, people were like, so he's got to do the Neo. They got to reveal the Neo. They got to type out the Neo. It's like, no, they no. don't have to because it's like, you know what? We're Sony. We got this. We're just going to focus on the games, focus on the gameplay. And you know what? Yeah, Microsoft, if you want to show a $200 Gears of War controller or a controller you can customize in many different ways, cool. We're going to show you our VR headset, and here's that, and that's pretty much it. Right, it's like, okay, here's the trailer for Horizon Zero Dawn. Which oh, my amazing. God. And then guess what? Here's seven or eight minutes of gameplay from Horizon Zero Dawn, which was different gameplay than last year's E3, by the way. And then, I mean, think about it. Days Gone. They did the same thing. Very Days beginning gone. of the conference, they showed the Days Gone, which is Sam Witwer, and it looks like, you know, Sons of Anarchy had a baby with uh, The Last <laughs> of Us. Right. So thank you, Monica Lee, for that. And and then they showed right towards the end, they showed the gameplay where there's like a billion zombies coming at the student. He's going, come on, and he's shooting him. And it's like, this is how you run a press conference. I mean, to me, that was just another, to me, that was just another, okay, it's another zombie game. But it kind of had elements like World War Z or like the zombies was coming after you and everything else, which is fine. Right, and I agree with you, and you know how much I hate zombies, but at the same time, they made it feel like and this people, was a cool game anyway. Well, people were like, what, people were probably listening to saying, what about Dead Rising 4? Okay, cool, but it's the same shit as other Dead Rising games. And probably. Dead Rising's just a glorified version of Evil Dead where you're just cutting zombies' heads off and there's blood everywhere, basically. Right, pretty much that's it, yeah. but I mean... And everything else Sony did was just, it was fine. The Batman VR, from what I'm hearing, people are falling in love with the Batman VR game that there people are, are so demonstrating many spoilers. E3. 
There's so many yeah. spoilers online right now, by the way. Don't read anything because you're going to get a lot of stuff spoiled. There's a major thing that got spoiled for me, and not that I'd be able to play it anytime soon, but I'm really upset about it. It is a major plot point in the game. So if you don't want to know spoilers, don't click on any of these articles because you're going to find out stuff that you don't want to find out. Well, now I want to know what it is, but I'll ask you off air. Because yeah, I'll tell I you want... off the air. I'll tell you. Yeah, and that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down Nerdy Podcast. We hope you loved our coverage of E3 2016. But hey, if you want more of us here at the Down Nerdy Podcast, be sure to hit us up on social media. We're on Twitter at Down Nerdy 757. I'm at Merck with one arm. Mr. Witham, go. I'm at James Ace with them, and of course we're at Facebook.com slash Down and Nerdy, and of course, you love E3 games, right? You want to pre-order all these games, you want to spend thousands of dollars, why not find all the games that you need at downandnerdypodcast.com, pretty much every game from E3 that you're going to want to pre-order, including the special editions, are right there. You click on it, safe and secure from Amazon, you just pre-order all the games that you like. We've got you covered. They're all in one spot. You don't need to do any searching, none of that. You just click on the images at downandnerdypodcast.com. Pre-order your favorite games from E3. Exactly. Again, that's going to do it for us here, nerds. But as always, I leave you with the words I leave you with every week. Practice safe comic book reading. Always back and board your comics. And guess what? This week in general, practice safe gaming. Always make sure that your games are scratch-proof. <laughs>